Welcome to this week's podcast. We hope you enjoy the message. For more info about Freedom Church, visit hellofreedomchurch.com. Good morning to everybody. It's great. Thank you, Pastor Jared. It's great to see all of you today. I'd like to welcome all of our family in Crookston. And uh, welcome today, Pastor Joel and Ellie and the whole family there, and then all our online uh, family. Freedom Church is maybe a little bit different. We do some things that maybe other churches don't do, and one of those things is we have Family Sunday, and that's probably three, four times a year. We just come together, bring the kids together, and we just celebrate a family. Families are awesome, aren't they? And look around. You've got a great big family here, okay? A wonderful family. Uh, next Sunday, we, well, we've been going through this sermon series entitled Greatness, What Does It Take? Uh, and I don't ever remember ever doing this, but we've been putting that on hold for last Sunday, now this Sunday. So we're putting it on hold for actually a couple weeks. We'll get back to it next Sunday. Come back next Sunday. Sermon number three in the series. But uh, we're gonna talk about something just a little bit off, uh, off that topic today. As a church, we have identified 12 specific core values you can go on our website and read those if you'd like. One of those core values reads this. Core values. Those are the things that, what are, what are the things that we value? A core value, this is my best way of describing it. It's a table-pounding value. Like, this is who we are. We will not compromise in this area. One of our core values reads this. The new generation. We believe that ministry to children, youth, young adults and young families must be a high priority. All those in agreement, say aye. aye. Or amen. Uh, amen. I fully agree with that statement today more than, than ever. When we began as a church, you know, 13 years ago, and we were like, who are we? What are we what's going to, you know, uh, characterize us. This is one of those things that like, like yes, this is who we are. We are gonna be a church that, that like, intentionally engages children, teenagers, young adults, and young families. That is who we are. Generation Z, or Gen Z as most often called, refers to those young people that are be aged, between the ages of 12 and 25. Gen Zers. How many Gen Zers? Yeah, okay. Gen Z is between the age of 12 and 25. Recent surveys reveal that Gen Z is the least Christian generation in all of American history. In all of American history. From the very beginning, that this generation, of which a number of people just raised their hand, it's the least Christian of all uh, generations in all of American history. In fact, uh, and I could get deep into statistics, but I'm not gonna do that today, only four out of 100 teenagers hold what is a biblical worldview. 4%. Gen Z is a post-Christian generation. In fact, they've, they've identified them a new group called the nuns. Uh, not, not, like, not like of the Catholic Church, but it's speaking of N-O-N-E-S. There's just like, there's just absolutely, it's their, their life spiritually is just a blank slate. There's, there's no, there's no you know, denominational affiliation. There's no faith affiliation. There's no religious affiliation. There's just this blank slate. There's none, and that continues to grow. 
And I just believe that we as a church have an incredible mandate and an opportunity to intentionally engage this generation and to show them this is who Jesus is. This is the answer. I like what David said in one of my favorite uh, verses of scripture in, in Psalms that go all the way back to my youth pastor days, uh, and it said, Psalm 71, 17, 18, oh God, you've taught me from my youth, and I still declare your wondrous works, and even when I'm old and gray, oh God, do not forsake me until I declare your strength to this generation and your power to all who come. I love that. Oh God, even David said, God, I've seen your strength, Lord, when I was a young person. Lord, I remember I'd experienced it. But now today, even when I'm old and gray, God, don't forsake me until I declare your strength to this generation and your power to all who are to come. I love that verse. This is our calling. This is our mandate. Lord, help us to declare your strength to this generation. I've been a part of, I've been a part of churches that, that, that there's just no teenagers or very, very few or very few children. And it's, it's a really quiet and it's a really clean church. <laughs> but it's not really a church, it's not a church that I've wanted to be a part of. As a church, we're blessed with the leadership and ministry of, of all of our children's and youth staff and Pastor Mariah is our next gen pastor and really doing such a wonderful job and I've just asked her to come and share just a few moments with us so could we welcome Pastor Mariah today. Good morning. It's good to see everyone here today. I was really excited when Pastor Nathan asked me to share a little bit about teenagers, about Gen Z, about the things that they're facing, about what ministry to teenagers looks like, because it's something I am so passionate about. I love teenagers. Like, I love middle schoolers and high schoolers. Like, they are my people. And so I love when I get to come up here and talk about the work that they do. And if we want to see people with a servant's heart, we should look at the teenagers of our church. I have faithful probably five or six teenagers that help me upstairs in our kids ministry. When you look around here on a Sunday morning, oftentimes you'll see teenagers running cameras. You'll see them running slides. We have a faithful worship team on Wednesday nights. If we want to see Servant's Heart, like what we're going to be continuing in our series next week, we should be taking a cue from our teenagers around here. But I want to shine a light just on a few things that teens are facing today. What kind of their culture looks like in their school. But more importantly, I really want to share what makes this next generation so unique, what makes them awesome. Um, so maybe you have a teenager, a child who's teenager age. Um, maybe you were just a teenager. You just came out of that stage. Um, or maybe you were a teenager once in your life. Point is... All of us have some experience with teenagers in some capacity, right? But the reality is the teens currently that are in middle school and high school that are just getting into college are facing a very different world and a very different culture than any of us have faced before. I'm only 26 years old, so I'm just, just missed the Gen Z cutoff, so technically millennial. Um, but I'm 26 years old. 
And even the culture that the students are in now compared to when I was in high school and middle school is drastically different. They are in a whole different world and culture than we were facing. And so if it is our mandate, as Pastor Nathan said, to pass on this knowledge to students, which it is, they say Christianity is just one generation from extinction. So if we do not pass on our knowledge of God and the things of God, they will not know it. So if it is our mandate to pass on this knowledge, we need to understand the context of where they are coming from. Whether you are a parent or not, we need to understand this next generation and the culture that they're facing. Teens are facing lots of challenges. Most of them can be summed up, in my opinion, when I look at what the teenagers I see are facing, most of them can be summed up really in just one word, and that's identity. The enemy is attacking the youth's identity more than anything else because if the enemy can confuse us of who we are, can tell us that we need to create our own identity, if we don't walk in the fullness of the identity that we have placed inside of us, we won't walk in the fullness of all that God has for us. So the enemy is after our youth's identity and he does it in many ways. One of those ways I see is social media. Students spend on average eight hours a day on devices. And that's on average, which means some students are spending more time than that on devices. That's phone, tablets, laptops, computers, TVs. They're spending around eight hours a day. Their identity becomes wrapped up in this online world. The voices that are speaking to them the most is not mine, it is not their parents, but it's who they're following online. It's who is coming up on their feed. And the enemy tells them that they are only as good as the number of likes they get on their photos, that their self-worth is tied into who is ignoring them and who is responding to them on social media platforms such as Snapchat and others. The enemy also ties their identity into things that will hold them back. So they find their identity in things that are going to hold them back from God. And one of those things that they can find their identity in is mental illnesses. They find their identity in these things of like anxiety and depression. And it's amazing to see this next generation is more open to talk about mental illnesses than any generation past, which is a good and positive thing. We can speak into their lives in those areas because they are so open to talk about it. But what we're finding is they're claiming these things as their own. My anxiety, depression becomes a part of who they are rather than something they're willing to surrender to Christ. Their anxiety becomes a part of who they are rather than something to say, Lord, I need your help and your healing. And when your identity is wrapped up in something that's going to hold you captive, when your identity is in the chains that hold you down, when you have this victim mindset, a savior that wants to come and set you free from those bondages suddenly doesn't sound so good. So we need to show them that their identity is not in these things that are going to hold them back, but in the God who will set them free. Rather than a generation whose identity can be found in the person of Jesus, we have a generation who's told they are to create their own identity. They're told to question the way that they were made. This is a culture that they're in. This is the people who are speaking into their lives. They're told to question the way that they're made. Maybe their identity doesn't match the way that they were born. And rather than being shown that God made them exactly as they are for a purpose, They are seen to maybe question who they are. 
as a man or woman that God created them to be. And I want to just speak directly to young teenagers in the room, young people in the room. Sounds silly because I am a young people in the room. But I want to speak to your identity now. If we as young people base our identity off of the way that we feel, if we base our identity in the things that we're feeling, we're never going to feel like we belong. Your feelings are going to change, but if we root our identity in a God who never changes, we'll be able to stand against anything that life throws at us. We are not just a random person on this earth with no identity, with no purpose. You have been made with a purpose. You've been called by God into his family. You are a son and a daughter of a king, which means you have royal authority on this earth in the spiritual realm to accomplish all that God has set before you. And the best is yet to come when we lean closer into the person of Jesus. So we know that teenagers, students, they are up against it. We know that they are growing up in a world very different from the world that many of us grew up in, but this generation has so much good in them. They are unique, they are unconventional, they do things differently, and there's just a few things that I think make them really unique that I wanna talk about. They are not just consumers, but they are publishers. So in generations past, we're mostly consumers. When you think about the internet, the internet was really just a way to consume information. If you wanted to know something, the internet was there as almost like a database to consume. But what we're seeing now in the next generation is that they are publishers. So when they go to the internet, it's not just to consume information, but to publish information. And so we see the same thing in the church. The older generations, they come to a church to consume. You come to hear a message, to hear the music, to consume, and then you go. But this next generation doesn't want to just consume. They want to publish. They're eager to go to places where they don't just hear about God's word, but where they can talk about God's word. They want to bring their friends to a place not just to hear a message, but to have discussions about their faith, which is so exciting. They're not interested in words without the power behind them. They are hungry for the God that we talk, that's doing the things that we say he can do, who can heal the sick, who can break addictions, who can give dreams and visions. They're hungry for that God. They do not want words without the power. They're seeking genuine, deep relationships. In a world where everything can just be so surface level, this next generation is looking for something deeper. They are also more justice-oriented than any generation in the past, which means they care deep about the oppressed and the marginalized. You know who else cared deeply about the oppressed and the marginalized and the poor and the widows? That was the person of Jesus. We have a generation who has the possibility to look more like Jesus than generations past. So to sum up here, what all these things that I love about Gen Z, we have a generation that just wants to talk about their faith, not just consume it, that's eager for the supernatural, longing for deep relationships, and eager to act upon the injustices of this world. We are ripe and ready for a revival within this next generation. I know it can seem bleak when Pastor Nathan came in and said, you know, this is the least Christian generation we've ever had. But when I look at the DNA of who this generation is, we are ripe and ready for a revival. 
which is why our vision, which is why youth ministries across the board, across all of the United States are so important and why our vision for freedom youth here at this church is this. We want students to be equipped with the knowledge of God and his love. We talk about the basics of reading scripture and we also teach how to dive deep into what scripture, scripture says and teach them how to pray. We want teenagers to have daily personal encounters with the living God. It is our vision that students would not just come to Freedom Youth to meet with God, that they wouldn't come here on Sunday mornings to meet with God, but that everything we do on a Wednesday night, from the worship to the prayer time to small groups, all of that would lead them to personal encounters with God so they can have encounters with Jesus in their bedrooms, in their schools, in their jobs, and with their families. That is our vision. Everything we do on a Wednesday night is to usher in the presence of God in their personal lives, not just once a week. We see Freedom Youth as a safe place where students can be free to ask questions, to invite their friends who do not believe in God, where they will not be looked down on for the things that they are carrying, but that it would be a safe place where they could lay those things down. We do small groups in order to build trust and give students an opportunity to talk with their friends and talk with leaders in the faith. We want it to be a place where students can serve, grow, and learn discipleship. Our leaders show them serving and discipleship on Wednesday nights so that they can go and do it. So what does it look like to be part of youth ministry? Ministry to teens is all about deep relationships. It's answering questions about who God says we are. It's loving teens through times of uncertainty, confusion, and angst. It's watching their excitement for the things of God grow until they can't keep it in anymore and they start telling their friends and then they bring their friends in and you get to do it all over again. It's praying peace, healing, and revival over a generation that is soon going to change the world. It's deep discipleship and walking with students through the good and the bad. But my favorite part is watching the moments when students understand how deeply loved they are by God, when it clicks for them that God is not just some deity up in heaven, but he is their father. And when they can't help but to share it with their peers and when the discipled become disciples. I am the person I am today because of youth ministry. I made lifelong friends who I can still go to and ask for prayer. The leaders who poured into my life, who taught me things about scripture that I didn't know before, who just walked through life with me, who were at all of my plays and musicals and band concerts. They were there for me. I am who I am today because of youth ministry, which is why I am so passionate about youth ministry. And our youth leaders on Wednesday nights, my husband, Garrett, Olivia, Mass, and Chelsea, they're on the front lines of what we do, pouring out week after week into our students. But to wrap up my time here, I have a video that I'm gonna have you all watch. And really when I think about why is it that we do youth ministry, have you guys just watched this testimony video of a student? Because really that sums, this video sums up why do we do it? We do it for students like the one you're gonna see in this video who found a place to belong, who found godly friendships, and who just found who God was in their own life. Thank you.
My name is Bethany Holter. I'm from Laramore, North Dakota, and I now attend Mabel State University, and I also play women's basketball. So my relationship with God from a young age, I grew up in a Christian household, so I always believed in God, but I wasn't always pursuing Him. I didn't have a church that I was solid, like really into until I got here. I started coming to youth group at the end of my junior year of high school. I was actually invited by a friend, and from the moment I came here, I just felt so welcomed by Pastor Mariah and just everyone in there and I just felt accepted and from the very beginning they just encouraged me to grow my faith and encouraged me to even be involved in worship and just get more involved in the church and this community and through that it just grew my faith wildly and because of that I felt the urge to go to church camp in the summer and my life was completely changed at that camp for forever and just since then I have been really involved and still feel welcomed in this church and I couldn't be more thankful for just the opportunity to come to this youth group and it has changed my life forever. Since youth group was so influential for me and literally changed my life, I walked around my school and was like, hey you, I know I don't talk to you, but would you want to come to youth group with me this Wednesday? And just from doing that, like from teammates on my teams or just honestly random people. I started bringing just a car load of underclassmen to youth group and I'm so glad I did that because it's influenced a lot of them and some of them still come regularly. Freedom Youth really taught me to be outspoken in my faith and I learned things every single time I came through Mariah's words and just teaching me that how important the Word of God is in building your relationship with the Lord and just the importance of prayer in your everyday life just talking to the Lord and it's just made me so much more confident in my relationship with God. Before coming to Freedom Youth, you could say that my walk with God felt a little lonely. Like I didn't have any leaders showing me the way, showing me how to get closer and build my relationship with the Lord. And that's exactly what I got when I came here was just a bunch of leaders and a community just walking the walk with me. Ever since coming here, I just feel more confident in my faith. In high school, I just felt no shame in speaking the word of God and just being unashamed with who I am. And now taking that on to college, almost everyone there I think knows that I'm a Christian just by the way I walk and talk and that I'm just unashamed of that and I'm getting involved in more Christian groups there. And I feel like this is my home, like coming to church every Sunday is something I look forward to and just seeing how my friends who are still in high school are being shaped by youth group on Wednesday nights is amazing to me and I'm so grateful for this church and everyone in it who is doing things for this community. Thank you, Bethany. She's sitting right here. Amen, thank you. Mary and I have lived here, well, let's see, it's been 14 and a half years, which is really hard to imagine. It's the longest place that we've lived anywhere in our lives, which is, again, like I said, kind of hard to imagine. Since having lived in other communities and now here in Grand Forks, I can, I can say, and I don't say this, I'm not a sensationalist, I'm not trying to evoke any panic or anything that sense at all, but just to say one of the things that I have witnessed, and that is there really is, there's a real heaviness and oppression over our youth of this community. 
One of the things that I visit with other pastors, there's certainly an agreement to that, visit with youth workers. And what I believe God is calling us to as a church is to really to engage and to make a difference in this young generation. The Bible tells of many miracles of Jesus, but only one is recorded in all four Gospels. And that is the miracle of Jesus feeding the 5,000 with only five loaves of bread and two fish. It's a great story. It's a wonderful miracle. I love the story. I'm sure that many of us know that story. The story centers around what my version says is a lad or a young boy. However, according to the word used here, it doesn't distinguish between child or teenagers as what we do. It simply is a reference to youth or a young person. So really, this, this, this young person could have been from a child to really to probably even uh, really a young adult. This young person was most likely quite poor. Most bread of that day was made of wheat. This young person's bread that he offered to the Lord was made of barley. And barley was a grain that was primarily that which was planted and sown, milled, and then created, made into bread by those who were poor or disadvantaged. And then I wonder, maybe you've wondered, like, where are this boy's parents? You ever wonder, like, where were his parents? Like, there's no reference. This, is a, this isn't a parable. This is a true story. There's, there's no reference to his parents. Like, were his parents alongside of him on that day? Were they pursuing Jesus together as a family, or was he on his own? And personally, I don't think it's a stretch to surmise that if his parents were present, that the lunch would have certainly been bigger and that the lunch would have been in the hands of one of his parents and not in this young boy's hand. It appears that he's here alone, that he's responsible for his lunch, and he's responsible for giving his lunch to Jesus. What we do know from this story is that because of one boy, child, teenager, whatever, we would, whatever he was, an entire multitude did not go hungry on that day. That's significant. This story speaks of two groups of people. Number one, it speaks to young adults, to young people, to children, teens, and young adults. All this boy had in his possession were five loaves of bread and two fish. And when he gave them to Jesus, you know the story, what happened? It was multiplied to feed thousands. And I want to encourage you that when you take what you possess, time, talents, abilities, giftings, relationships, whatever they may be, when you take, this is for, for you young people, when you take what you have and you say, God, I'm gonna offer this up to you. I know it's not much. I know it doesn't, it seems very insignificant, but God, I'm gonna offer it to you. When you offer that up to God, he will do incredibly more than what you could ever imagine or think. Incredibly more. I think of David, who was a teenager, single-handedly killed the Philistine giant and delivered the entire nation of Israel, a teenager. I think of King Joash, who became king at seven years of age, or Josiah, who became king at eight, or of Daniel and the three Hebrew children, right? That's how we refer to them. And the stand they took. I think of Jesus, which most all scholars believe that Mary was probably 15 to 16 years old. I think of Timothy. And we could go on, really, other, other examples in the scripture of, of, of men and young men, young women that God used incredibly in, in just such a wonderful way. 
I think of what, what Paul spoke to Timothy, 1 Timothy 4.12. <clears throat> he said, let no one look down on your youthfulness, but rather in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, in purity, show yourselves to be an example to those who believe. Young people, he says, be an example to those who believe. And so I encourage you to take what you have and say, Jesus, I'm gonna give this to you. We'll have opportunity to do that today. It speaks to young people, but I believe the story also speaks to all those of us that are not so young, right? I mean, what would have happened if, if this boy had not been present on that day? What would have happened if this young boy had not been following Jesus? How would these people have been fed? And most likely they would have gone hungry on that day. And the spiritual analogy is very clear. And I believe this with all my heart that we need to make room for young people. The world needs young people to follow Jesus. We need to make room for them. We as adults must do all we can to encourage and support young people to follow Jesus. I think of my family. My mother is, is, is 89 years old. She loves the Lord. And Satan doesn't like her at all because she's, she's a real prayer warrior. But I don't know that he's all that concerned about her. Nothing personal, mom, as you're watching today, okay? Because no matter what, my mom's gonna serve the Lord. I know that. No matter what happens, she's gonna serve the Lord. The next generation is my generation. I'm 59 years old. And I, I think of, of, of my generation and Mary and I, and, and I don't think Satan cares for us a lot either, but, but you know what? The attack that the enemy has, I mean, no matter what, I mean, like, we, we love Jesus. We're gonna serve the Lord. We've been through some difficult times in, in life and ministry, and, and, and there's only one way. It's Jesus. I know that. But then I think about our, our three children and then our five grandchildren and two more that are on the, the way. I think I was okay to announce that. Uh, <laughs> and I think about that generation, Right? I think about that generation and those two generations. And like, who is Satan targeting? Like, who, who is he targeting? Is that our generation? Is it my mom's generation? No, I'm telling you, it's this young generation, isn't it? I mean, that's, that's where the target is. And as I think about it, I think that has always been his plan. That has always been the enemy's plan. It's, it's like, the, it's targeting children, Think about, about in the Old Testament, the stories, and I know this is Family Sunday, so I want to be a little careful. I'm not going to go into a lot of the details, but I think about the, 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 the attack upon children. Think about when, when Jesus was born and wicked Herod and, and, and the annihilation of children at, at that, that time, just trying to like eradicate them. I think it's, 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 I just got done reading a book from the Holocaust from uh, Ellie Weasel, if you're familiar, Nobel Peace Prize winner. And, and, and he was a teenager that went through the Holocaust and, and the horrors that, 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 that he, as a teenager and, and, and much, much younger, I mean, like, it's just, it's, it's mind-blowing. And I see that Satan has really launched an all-out attack on these, and it's crazy. Think about the music, entertainment industries, the school shootings. And I even believe the bottom line of the abortion debate is not about a woman's right to choose, but I rather what I believe is this, that each child, the Bible teaches us that they bear the image of God. They bear the image of God. 
And the bottom line of that debate, this is not a political statement, the bottom line of that debate is that Satan wants to take them out. And I want to be careful because I understand that a crowd this size and people watching that there are those that, that perhaps have, 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 have had an abortion. And let me just say this as well, that there is hope, there's healing, there's forgiveness, there's grace for you today at this place. We could go on and on. The battles all around us for our children, teenagers, young adults, and really who's the battle fought over? It's fought over them. It's a spiritual battle, and there's many things we could say, let's do this. But if you know me, you know my heart, you know where it begins, and I believe with all of my heart, I don't think there's hardly, I'm sure there's been some, but on Wednesday nights as we gather to prayer, one of the things that as we gather in a circle or different groups, one of the things that this is, is on my heart always is at this very moment, Pastor Mariah is leading the youth on the third floor. Could we be this undergirding strength of prayer? Like God, would you give her wisdom and all of those, all of those leaders, God, as they're leading. We pray for you guys, Chi Alpha, Pastor Josiah, and all your team, like all the time. God, would you touch them in Jesus' name because they are on the front lines. They are on the front lines. And it's a spiritual battle, and spiritual battles have to be fought on a spiritual plane, right? They have to be fought on a spiritual plane, and that begins, it begins in prayer. It begins in prayer. Oh God, as David said, even when I'm old and gray, do not forsake me until I declare thy strength, Lord, Lord, thy strength to this generation and your power to all who are to come. God, help us in Jesus' name to be able to do that. And so today, as we just wrap up this time, I'm just, I'm just laying this before you today. Pastor Mariah, don't you love her and the word? Amazing. Just laying this before us to say, we're going to take a whole Sunday to say, this, this is significant to us. This is important. And Lord, we really want to engage in prayer. We want to engage in prayer for them, for this Gen Z for this generation. And so, Josiah and the band, if you'd like to come, please, and just begin to play that song that we'll wrap up today with. But can we just take a moment uh, just in prayer today? So, Father, we love you today. And, Lord, we just want to, Lord, really step into your will. Lord, we want to look at this world and this society with your eyes in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Father, I just think that this, there's so much your word teaches and talks about. Lord, we could just go a whole series of week after week after week. But Lord, I know that, that, that for this day, we've got this day. And so Father, in the name of Jesus, turn our eyes, oh God, and help us to do what we can in prayer. Lord, to think about the kids, the, the, the teens that live around us, oh God. Across the street, next door, God. Lord, help us to be intentional, taking an interest in them, God. I pray. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. I am believing 
I am believing today. This is something that Mariah and I talk about as we have our, just our one-on-ones and we sit down uh, each week to visit. I want you to join us in prayer. We are believing God is gonna do an incredible, she talks about revival. We believe believing God's gonna send an incredible revival to the young people of this community. Man, we're pressing into that. I believe that, I believe that. I wanna see God's strength come to this generation. And I want Freedom Church to envelop that and to engage in that. I want us to do that in Jesus' name. Could we just stand together today? As we wrap up today, we're gonna wrap up with two things, a a prayer and a song. And so, uh, Pastor Mariah, would you come and just stand here and face that way? Could you do that? This is a little unannounced, I know. Uh, Any other youth staff that we have, would you come and do that as well? Could you just come and stand uh, here? Madison, okay, I saw Einer here somewhere too. Einer, you're here, we wanna have you come and stand here. Uh, You're gonna have to get really tight. Uh, I like Gen Z between those 25, so I want all the Chi Alpha staff. Josiah's gonna lead in worship, so we'll assume he's he's with us, okay? Can we have all the Chi Alpha staff come and stand right here as well today? That are present with us. Now let's have all Gen Zers come, just like mob the front, okay? All the Gen Zers, if you're between the ages of 12 and 25, come and gather right here, okay? Can we give them a hand today, guys? Just. Wow, okay. Keep coming, keep coming, keep coming. Fill in over here, guys, everybody in the front. Keep coming, keep coming. Keep coming, we got a bunch. Guys, we can, we can file over here too. We can bunch a lot of space over here. Keep coming. How many of you guys are thankful that these young people are in church this morning? I mean, guys, come on. I mean, just look, look, look who's sitting in the chairs right now. What if it was just you guys? I mean, I love you, and you're beautiful, and cute, and handsome, and all, but like, I mean, something would be missing, right? I want us to do something. I want you to extend your hands this way. We're gonna pray for this generation. Guys, we love you. We believe in you. There will always be a place for you at Freedom Church. Always, 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 because we believe in you, and we love you. Could we just extend our hands this way? Father, in the name of Jesus, we pray for this generation, Lord, those between the ages of 12 and 25 that are gathered here today. God, I'm asking for your blessing, your strength, your power, your anointing that would rest upon them. God, as they're going into their dorms, into their suites, into their apartments, down the halls of their high school or middle schools, in Jesus' name, Lord, I know that, that, that they're going against the flow, oh God. I know that they're standing up against, Lord, a whole onslaught, uh, onslaught of just of, of evil and, Lord, that how that the enemy wants to overwhelm them. And so, God, I I pray that you would just give them incredible, Lord, strength within them, spiritual strength, that they would rise up to be all that you've called them to be in Jesus' name. 
In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, may your power, your anointing, your presence rest upon them, oh God. I pray for Pastor Mariah, Lord, and the leaders here, for the youth and the leaders of Chi Alpha. Lord, may you keep them alert, Lord. May you keep them spiritually strong and vibrant in the name of Jesus. Give them vision beyond their own humanness, oh God, to see and to perceive what's really going on. And may they, Lord, just be able to interact with those students on that personal level, God, for all the staff and all the interns that are here. We love you, God, in the name of Jesus. And Lord, today, we ask for your blessing upon them, oh God. Your blessing upon them, oh God, in Jesus' name. In the name of Jesus, we thank you for it today, God. Thank you, God. Lord, we pray that you would raise up your presence, Lord, that you would send, Lord, just a revival in the name of Jesus that would be so rooted, grounded, and, and Lord, just based in you, Father, that, that nothing, no one would be able to stop it or quench it. So we are believing, oh God. We are believing for an incredible breakthrough, oh God, amongst our youth, Lord, the young adults of this community. In Jesus' name we pray, oh God. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Amen. Thank you, guys. You, you can be seated. Josiah, let's sing as Josiah leads us in a song. Thanks for listening to this week's message. To stay connected with us, visit us on our website or check us out on Facebook and Instagram at Hello Freedom Church. Have a great week.